is going through an expansion of consciousness, a changing of the ages, and many of us are on an awakening journey. I want to explore what all of this means and share people's personal stories so we can relate, enjoy the mystical experiences, and perhaps connect some more dots. Everyone's journey is completely unique. I'm your host, Wendy, and this is Light Always Wins. Hello, everyone. Today, I have a special guest, astrologer Kelly Hunter. Welcome, Kelly. Hi, glad to be here. It was uh, special to meet you and special to be here with you today. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your work? Ah, well, I call myself um, a depth astrologer and uh, astromythologist. And uh, these, I I started studying astrology like way a long time ago. (laughs) Like uh, in the late 60s, there was a whole wave of people becoming interested in astrology. So um, I started studying and and decades later, you know, here I am still in love with astrology and the language of the stars. I went to college to be a language major, but it turned out to be astrology, not French. <laughs> so oh, funny. I love that. Yeah, because astrology is just never ending, right? It's like ever changing and never ending what you could learn. There is so much you can learn and so much knowledge that can add to your um, your astrology base, like psychology. And mm-hmm. I got more into archetypal um, mythic um, psychology, which I call psycho-spirituality. And mm-hmm. um, that became one of the helpers. I studied things like quantum physics mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, different wisdom traditions. I'm especially interested in the cosmic feminine from different traditions and in astrology um, symbology. Mm, amazing. Yeah. We have a lot in common. And it's like this, uh, I feel this like thirst and hunger for trying to figure out like, what is the design of this place, right? <laughs> like, what are these, this universe, like, what are these archetypes? And like, how do they all work together? And just, I don't know, I feel like I'm always sort of diving into the mystery in that way. And it sounds like you are too. Yes. And it's a living mystery, because we're living these archetypes where they're not dead energies, they're vibrant energies. And we can uh, almost like, help evolve or keep a fresh take on the archetype mm. while it is walking into our lives and guiding us for a period of time yeah. longer or shorter for sure for sure there's always new lessons well it's really cool i found kelly through watching pam gregory's videos pam gregory is an astrologer located in somewhere in england right southern england yes mm-hmm. yeah and so I knew about Kelly because um, when you started speaking about the Kuiper Belt objects, I was just like immediately just like so interested to learn more about that. And um, everything you brought through really resonated. So then I'm a member of this dowsing group locally. 
And I see that Kelly Hunter's speaking. And I was like, oh my gosh, how cool. And I just, it's funny what a small world it is when you find out about somebody from like across the way across the pond. And it turns out they almost live in your same neighborhood. So that's really cool. And at the talk that Kelly gave, I picked up her book, Living Lilith, Four Dimensions of the Cosmic Feminine. And it was just perfect timing because I ended up going through my own sort of Lilith initiation as I finished this book. And um, it was this theme around giving my power away. And what was so interesting about the whole situation is I felt like I could see how everything was going to play out. But for whatever reason, I chose to go through it all anyway. Oh, I've been there, been there. <laughs> yeah, that's then, that's interesting. Yeah, and certainly. And then when I came out of it, I was like, okay, take note, Wendy. Your intuition was bang on and you should have listened to it. And it's okay because nothing was actually that bad about it. But it was a big lesson. And it was funny because I looked at my chart, you know, I learned how to look up all the different Lilith placements from your book. And I had uh, Dark Moon Lilith transiting my Chiron and Gemini. And I had Asteroid Lilith transiting my Pluto and Scorpio. So it was like, and at the same time, collectively, Black Moon Lilith is opposite Saturn. So it was just like this, I I feel like it made a big cross and I was like, whoa. It this- actually has been depending on, there's so many things you can add into the astrology roster now. And you mentioned the Kuiper belt objects, which maybe a lot of people don't know about, which is one of my latest research projects of looking at the new um, discoveries of small bodies um, out where Pluto is and beyond. Mm-hmm. And Pluto is actually the king of the Kuiper belt. <laughs> Ooh, I love yeah. that. And now there, there's more and more being discovered since the new millennium. And there being some of them early on were named for other underworlds like Pluto. But then they went to a new category of, of global mythology, creator gods from global mythologies, which is so exciting mm-hmm. for so many reasons. Um, and, and so I, 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 designed and published a coloring book to, um, to introduce those. I and, have that right uh, here too. <laughs> Just to show everybody if you're watching. Yeah, it's not totally finished art, but it's, um, it's what I came up with. <laughs> so I love it. I, I like, I haven't started coloring it yet, but I want to, because I love this idea of really almost meditating with each yes. creative yes. God and, and yes. feeling into their energy as you color. I love that idea. Yes. Yes. So, and for kids too, it's not exactly a kid's coloring book, but they can get in on it. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? And you never know what wisdom they'll bring forth for you. <laughs> like it'll probably just come out, you know, seemingly come out of nowhere. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? Sort of. It was definitely guided. I definitely had some kind of like 
circle of this new realm of the solar system like activated and it it's it is a whole new level of consciousness which is why it's so exciting it's like quantum level it is creator god it's like if you can visualize something Mm -hmm. and get really intent upon it that's in the field and you can bring and you can manifest that well, yeah. And I feel like because of where we are in our, our evolution as humanity, it feels like we're being asked to create some new ways, you know, Absolutely. learning from the old ways that have not served us. Yes. Creating new ways and creating new ways from a new place in our minds or brains or hearts and souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's interesting. This kind of brings me back to uh, Lilith for a second, because I when I was reading your book, I got this transmission from her and I just I had the way that's the way. Yeah, I had to stop reading and write it down. Yeah. So I'd love to share it with you. Oh, I'd like that, please. Okay, so um, it's interesting because I'm you can tell I'm sort of starting from my head and then it gradually flows So I I wrote, I feel as though Lilith is the energy cast away at the fall of Lemuria when we Mm -hmm. only had feeling, we only procreated parthenogenetically when reason and thinking entered our consciousness. She She was called crazy. She was cast out. She did not need any other for her creation as we all were linked as a hive mind creating together bringing life into form from the cosmos in the cosmic androgynous womb. Pleasure was natural, self-induced in every moment of fluid swimming and feeling. Through the dark waters of the planet, no sight except inner, no sight except inner, no fright, all is well. Navigating with feeling, inner dreaming, no hard shell. When time came to harden, This was the first uncomfortable change. This was the first time Lilith had to lose her way. She refused to change, give her power away, but she never left. Even though bereft, she swims and swirls within and around us, penetrating hard shells, returning pure sight, the kind without eyes, the kind that is only seen inside. Wow, beautiful. And it's just like this, I feel like she's this piercing consciousness, but also this element of the feminine that wants healing or needs healing. You are so tuning in to how I've been developing new awareness of Lilith in the last year or so, Hmm. as I became uh, aware of um, um, the work, work, working with or healing the sacred womb chakra or the holy womb chakra Mm -hmm. and I started hearing about that and it was really resonating for me in relation to Lilith Mm -hmm. and uh, a woman called to ask me to talk about Lilith to her group that was awakening the sacred womb chakra Mm -hmm. and she had already connected it to the galactic womb chakra which is the the heart of the Milky Way galaxy, the black hole, you know, and it's not that no light can, there's a, an event horizon around anything. 
any 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 energy field yeah. where the light goes in and out, where the energy goes in and out. So there's there's that in in quantum physics, um, especially the work of Nassim Haramein, who has you know done the connected universe uh, mm. using flower of life symbol as the mathematical matrix of the universal energy field that we're all part of. And this is part of the Kuiper belt opening to that level of consciousness. But when we come back to Lilith, that is deeply seated. Mm -hmm. The holy womb chakra is part of the teachings of the divine mother Mm. uh, that uh, have uh, come from ancient Vedic texts. Mm. Uh, a lot of mantras that have to do with vibrational frequency and using them to heal and change your vibration uh, your frequency mm. and also different yantras that are the geometry of these sacred energies mm-hmm. I, I think of them as almost beyond archetypes because if we're this is the divine mother is is everything and and there we have dancing at the center of our galaxy the shiva shakti of all possibility which is found inside ourselves as well. Right. And I think that's what we've forgotten and maybe have also sort of over time been distanced from because it's such a, an enormous power in a way. And I, and I think it's, everything happens for a reason, right? I think there was something else for us to learn, but now it feels like we're returning back to this. Oh, I'm remembering my connection to, the great mother, like this goes back beyond like through yes. my generations, through everybody. Right. Yes. And, um, and I feel like this is a perfect segue into your work about the journeys to the underworld, because I feel like it's through these journeys that we learn and we heal this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Cause there are the different levels. There's the, the spiritual and the, the quantum field, however, which is to me, ether, the fifth mm-hmm. element, like plasma people call it. Yeah. So this is the whole, uh, like it's all, it's all there. Mm-hmm. And that basically Lilith is largely in that field of energy as well. Yeah. And so is the creativity and in our womb chakra, the soul spark, lives in the womb chakra through all of our lifetimes so a lot of what needs to be healed is there yeah and and has repercussions on the on the heart chakra Mm -hmm. that you know we we, so many of us have broken hearts from being you know kind of living in this the dark era of the kali yuga and now the goddess is returning we're we're feeling that but we're also hearing that from different traditions and that that is she's calling us back, yeah. you know, engaging with her, her creative, you know, kind of cornucopia of um, pouring that out, her yeah. blessings in grace. Yeah. And so, I, I also feel this like connection from the womb to the throat and, yeah. Ooh, and yeah. how we can create with our word and how that, that area also needs uh, healing so that we can create from a place of integrity rather than hurt. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> and that's what mantras are fabulous for. Mm. You know, um, you, you often do them inside, but the some of the um the kirtan, the music of mm-hmm. those prayers, but the mantras also like what where uh I'm working with the Divine Mother Center at the moment, and they have 
Uh, they stream their fire pujas, their fire ceremonies on new and full moons, and they're doing all of these mantras. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there it is, the power of the voice and the changing of the frequency mm -hmm. within your body and outwardly through, through those mantras, the frequencies. I love that. And I also feel like when we, like, I know that those mantras, because they're so ancient, they're, they're so like ingrained in this morphogenetic field we're in. And it's like, there's so much power in that to be remembered, right? To like, connect with that ancient um, vibration, I guess. And also the vibration with the living nature that we're in. Mm. There are mantras where you, you uh, um, create an intimate dynamic that's embodied mm -hmm. with the five different elements and that creates a real real capacity for healing both yeah. of yourself and the world because you're in harmony with <laughs> nature right. which is the goddess yeah. yeah is the mother yes so, so but yes journeys to the underworld <laughs> you know are very relevant now because you know pluto in um astrology is one of the major gods of the underworld that we've been working with for a while since it was discovered in 1930 mm -hmm. and it represents life death and rebirth that whole process of of death and and renewal so it also is uh, a very has a long orbit of 248 years around the sun so it takes time to go through this oh, 12 signs of the zodiac mm -hmm. and we're uh we we've just passed through the time when pluto is closer to the earth into our solar system and our sun than it ever is which was oh. like mid 70s mid 90s so it's been going through the signs faster which means the transformation process going on in the collective consciousness has been moving through a lot of underworld themes in the last number of years yeah. and so here we are with pluto about to change sign for the first time since 2008 when it went into capricorn it's about to go into aquarius at this time when we're already feeling the return of the goddess and that the era is changing. We're moving out of the darkness of the Kali Yuga back slowly but surely, you know, and here's Pluto going into Aquarius, like the dawning of the age of Aquarius is maybe, uh, you know, starting to see more light. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, it's very, it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. Pluto hasn't been in Aquarius since like the, I think the 1790s or something. Yeah. And it's um, interesting, too. I think like Plato wrote that the age of an empire is 250 years. And so I find it interesting. If Wait, you think, 250? Yeah. 250, I, you don't mean 1,000? No, that would be like an age. I'm talking about government. Government oh. empires oh. Oh. are like 250 years. So it's interesting that the U.S. was started about that long ago. And so it's it feels like, you know, we just had the U.S. Pluto return. It's like this time for things to change and for there to be some kind of, I don't know if it's going to be a revolution, but definitely big time of change for sure. 
I think it's a reconstitution. Mm. Reconfiguration. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, going back to our foundations and did we get off track? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I have to ask you something, a question that's been coming to my mind lately. You know, Pluto, we've seen Pluto as such a masculine archetype. Do you mm. feel that mostly? I feel a oh. feminine energy with Pluto. Very much. And that's been part of my interest with the cosmic feminine is to um, to find, you know, in a planet, both the masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Pluto definitely has a feeling of, you know, the Kali in the Hindu mythology and Dorga mm-hmm. um, and hugely destructive energy based on her heartfelt compassion. And, um, and there's the myth of Inanna who goes, who's the, it's the story of how Venus moves through the sky. Inanna is Venus Mm -hmm. and she goes to the underworld, you know, periodically uh, to, um, and in the myth, she visits her sister, her dark sister. Mm -hmm. So she's visiting her, you know, if we're going to psychologicalize it, <laughs> then we're going to say her shadow, she meets her shadow and her unhealed, you know, kind of start, like stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a, a feminine, a dark feminine. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, more like the Greek Pluto kidnapping and taking Persephone to the underworld, yeah. you know, and we can look at, um, the Shiva Shakti energy with mm-hmm. both of these, the powerful masculine, I think of Pluto as a kind of a Shiva energy, mm-hmm. you know, dancing the dance of life, death, you know, destruction and renewal. It's, you know, all in his dance. Yeah. And then there's Kali who works with him is that feminine aspect or no, they're, they're the joint Shiva Shakti. So she's got her own power. So, um, so this this we can encounter in these these myths of the underworld. Mm-hmm. And what I've been doing lately is going back to uh, the master's thesis I wrote. Oh my goodness! In the mid eighties, wow. when Pluto was squaring my Venus. Oh, so I was having the goddess going to the underworld experience. Yeah. And so I use this kind of my own psychological spiritual journey to um, was supported by a lot of the work of um, Jungian analysts who were women doing the, you know, bringing forth the goddess archetypes at that point. And I was very interested in that. And I have a, a strong, kind of Demeter Persephone thing going on because I I was a single mother of a daughter for so many years. Mm -hmm. And then um, there were, then I discovered through going to a museum and seeing some of the archeology, span the whole thing about Sumeria. It was a discovery during those years. I had no idea about the myth of Inanna. And then I joined a, a, a mythic theater troupe where we actually spent four years, um, developing plays Mm -hmm. that had to do with the myth of Inanna. We did four different plays and one was her going to the underworld. Yeah. 
How did that one, did that one express itself? Did you do it very similarly to the story or did it change at all? I'm curious. Well, we were outside. We had fires going. Mm -hmm. It was like around um, Halloween time. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, there was a lot of use of the outdoors of saplings and hay bales and the whole field, you Mm -hmm. know, the audience had to move. So it was a, it was a, I'm not sure I'd call it exactly a ritual, but it was a kind of celebratory seasonal thing. Yeah. And uh, they, they'd done a, a several myths before I joined in, but that one was, you know, really exciting. And we had Diane Volkstein, who had written Inanna, Queen of Heaven and Earth, mm. with one of the original translators of Sumerian cuneiform mm-hmm. come up and share that story of um of Inanna and um, so that was that it was all quite a piece of work and so the yeah and then there was my personal journey Mm -hmm. that took me through unrequited love and the death of a child and being a single mother there were so many facets to it so I was, I analyzed these three myths. Mm-hmm. And the third one was the myth of Psyche and Eros mm. or, or Psyche and Amor, uh, depending on, you know, that's an old, old tale mm-hmm. of the love affair of Psyche, who was this beautiful maiden mm-hmm. who was challenge not challenging purposefully but she was so beautiful people started to worship her rather than venus so venus got a little mad you know like we got stuff about her and sent eros with his bow and arrow to you know to 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 make her fall in love with something awful (laughs) so um anyway eros picked himself with that arrow because she was so beautiful Mm-hmm. And brought her to this place. So it was a whole mystery and wouldn't let him, wouldn't let her see him. Mm-hmm. This God of love. So it was a whole like in between place mm-hmm. that couldn't be sustained. Mm-hmm. And her sisters, her, you know, she said, I have to see my sisters. So he let them come down and they got so jealous. And they said, he's got to be a devil. You know, you need to like, you need to kill him. So she did take a knife out. She took a lantern. And after he was asleep, she looked at him and realized it was the God of love himself and her hand shook and a drop of oil fell on him and he woke up and realized that she had betrayed him Hmm. from her her deep need to see you know and not have this be blind love which you know we kind of get into you know through the chemistry dynamic that happens sometimes and the whole erotic charge of the energy which Hmm. is what eros is about yeah but Psyche has to go to re- be reunited. She had to like surrender to Venus and go through these four really difficult tasks, like tests that were really about her maturing her feminine energy. Mm. 
so that she was not just a laid back, you know, kind of unconscious um, in love, but to be conscious in love, hmm. to be awake, you know, and to awaken herself and her own capacity for love and self-love. Yeah. Then reunites her with Eros. And how that happens is the last task that Venus sets her to do is to journey down to the underworld and approach Persephone, the queen of the underworld, and ask her for a vial of her beauty cream for Venus. Hmm. So even just to get down there, all of these tasks, she had a lot of helpers helping her through them. And so you know, she, she was told what she had to bring, biscuits for the dogs and coins for the ferryman and not to like get distracted by any of the dead souls drawing upon her the whole the, and don't eat anything while you're down there. And so <laughs> she did it all. She got there and Persephone gave her some of the beauty cream. So she goes back. It's still dangerous. She still has to make that journey. And then she surfaces to the light of day. And she looks at the this vial of beauty cream and says, I want to look beautiful for arrows. I'm just going to like take a little, little, little tiny bit. So she opens it and she swoons into a kind of coma. Ah. She swoons into unconsciousness and Eros swoops down and sweeps her up into his arms and brings her up to heaven and so this is her she's a, she's surrendered to love so deeply that she was made immortal and married the god Cupid or Eros. Now, Eros is a not this really little angel, angel with the bow and arrow. That is so superficial. <laughs> Eros is the enormous creative force and passion that that emerged from chaos with Gaia mm. to be from the desire to be. Mm -hmm. So it's way beyond, you know, the whole erotic sexual thing. Life is inherently sexual, but it's, it's a deeper power than that, that has a creative force. And that's kind of what I was thinking of in terms of this story, that it's creative passion mm -hmm. that is the transformational energy. And that that is one aspect of Pluto, mm -hmm. you know, which is, you know, life, death, and rebirth, but the rebirth is re-creative. Yes. So, so that's... So, he can be so almost obsessive too, you know, that Pluto archetype, I feel like. Yes, it, it can be very compulsive and obsessive. Mm -hmm. And um, also it's where you confront fear mm. or choose love. Mm -hmm. Can't have both. Yeah. And it is a choice and, and it's a, a scary choice, mm -hmm. you know, because like you were just talking about claiming the, your power, yeah. claiming your, 
capacity or creative capacity, claiming your consciousness, you know, of divinity. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the, that whole story just, oh my gosh, it says so much. I love myth so much because it goes beyond words. It speaks to your yeah. soul. <laughs> And, um, but I love, like, I love the part where she, she goes to the underworld for this beauty cream. I kind of see it almost as like her regaining her inner light and, mm-hmm. and realizing the beauty comes from within, you know, and, and then it feels like that, um, that it's interesting, that whole surrender and then the, and then arrows coming down from heaven and scooping her up that just yes, and, and he what's his story you know he didn't want her to see him why and then and then you know he runs back to his mother <laughs> I don't know does he sometimes I I see that because it's like something about the masculine can like pull back too yeah you know yeah. and maybe Eros had never been in love before like had he ever pricked himself with his own arrow before but anyway there's something about that and that 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 the that love transforms him as well Mm -hmm. yeah I just feel like it's that that recognition of the divine within that we've Uh forgotten and it's like that's how it becomes remembered is from from this like true love and sometimes it has to be initiated by a giant heartbreak to crack you open to to like feel that strongly yeah sometimes you know people don't really have very strong feelings yeah (laughs) so maybe this is what the kali yuga maybe that's the the agenda for it (laughs) not just agenda is not the right word but you know maybe that's the purpose of humanity going through a darker phase is like why don't we experience this facet of consciousness and let's see if we can crack ourselves back open to our exactly exactly yes that's what i just heard someone say that we we forget who we are in order to find ourselves and rediscover again you know another facet of the capacity of the um, you know infinite capacity Mm -hmm. of of the divine so uh that's yeah that's so so spot on you know so I was you know like you were reading about your experience this is a largely a report on my own process that went on when Pluto transits something it's usually a good two years Mm -hmm. and so I was going through you know kind of um all kinds of emotions from loss and unrequited love and um, eros and thanatos, you know, love and death. And and so I was writing poetry and doing a lot of um, drama therapy and other kind of processes to help release, to help express, you know, something of this energy. And now that was when Pluto was just entering Scorpio. Hmm. a powerful place for it and you you have that place right yep yeah that's a powerful generational challenge to go that deep 
Mm -hmm. And um, oh, I'm I'm laughing because he's huge for me. Like he's conjunct my south node. He's on my sun and Venus right now. I've had him opposing Uranus. I mean, Pluto is he's he's my teacher and my medicine. So absolutely, I hear you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Pluto's is the the light in the dark. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's a dark light. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The black moon is rather like that herself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I just, I want to write one. I want to read one of the poems I wrote. I would love that. um, So, I mean, this is one of the shorter ones. So um, it's one of the reasons it was, it's called, let us go back to when we were lovers. Mm -hmm. The earth changed with our touch. A channel to the sea coursed in waterfalls and whirlpools. In the cup of a mountain crater, we lay upon rocks soaked in heat. Now the day star sinks into night. We come apart as though to sail a remote voyage. For a long moment, I shall remain in a memory of sorrow, then follow the flight of my heart to join you in the dawning. Mm, I love that. Such a story of the, the coming apart to go kind of find themselves and then to come back together. And that's and like that's- our journey as humans, right? To like... from the oneness and then to try to find it again and that's just what psyche and eros is about Mm -hmm. especially following her process of separation and how she found her own self-awareness and empowerment through that and her capacity for love Mm -hmm. so that's um you know so so now you know pluto that was in the 80s And that was the shortest time Pluto spends in a sign because it's like, okay, it's closest than it ever gets. It's in its own sign of Scorpio and it only is there for 12 years. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. When Pluto's on the other side of the sky in Taurus, it's farther away and it takes 30 years to go through that sign. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know what I, what really strikes me about everything you just presented is um, just with your own journey. And and I can resonate with this too, is how like you transmuted what you were going through, through being creative. And I feel like, I don't know if that's something that people associate with Pluto, but that's the way that I feel like I get through the really hard underworld times too. I, I just have to create, I don't know what else to do, you know, aside from feeling all the feelings, but it's like, I just, I have to, I have to turn it into something better, you know? And that's a choice, right? That's the recreative. You take that energy. And if you can't have that outlet, you have, uh, you, you make another one. And I have Pluto and Leo, which is a creative sign. Mm-hmm. So my generation with Pluto and Leo really needs creative therapy and invented a number of them. <laughs> ah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So it, it feels like all of this is coming up in a moment where, um, 
we just had, do you follow the Venus gates at all when Venus conjuncts the moon? Oh, a little bit. Okay. Uh, especially when I can see it. <laughs> yes. So, so right now she's actually like in her metagoddess phase of Leo and she's in morning star phase. So she's on her journey to the underworld. Wait and, a minute. Wait yes. a minute. Wait a minute. Venus is in Scorpio right now. Yes, but when she she began her cycle in Leo. So, oh, oh, so, oh, oh, I see. The new Venus and the new yeah. 584 years day cycle. Yeah. yeah. It, it's oh. actually just a year and a half long cycle, but um she just went through her heart chakra gate. So this is okay. where okay. she's okay. releasing, you know, deep grief in the heart. Um, and this is in Scorpio. So yes. it's like deep ancestral. I felt this like huge release. Um, and this was actually conjunct my South Node and Pluto. Um, and it was like, I felt it so deep through my mother line. It was incredible. And then it felt like, but it felt so good. Like it felt like something that really needed to happen to lighten and to move forward with a lighter heart and with this creative energy that you're talking about. And, um, and I think it's interesting too, that, that like the beginning of this cycle is Leo, the Leo meta goddess. So it's like more about stepping into the purity of the heart and this childlike wonder, you know, and, um, and using that to create, because also like when we we're looking at the world through, I feel like we have this chance to look at the world through a child's eyes almost, you know, to like see what's possible, maybe to let go of our differences a little bit. And the to wonder and the enchantment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, um, yeah, that's just, I was thinking of that as you were talking about the creative process and turning things into something new and our conversation, like we were talking about earlier, how the astrology is alive. What I feel in, in this conversation so far is, is more of the lighter side of the, the underworld journey and Pluto's energy and more of that creative aspect of it. And it, I just wonder if you feel like perhaps humanity is being invited you know to step into that phase of it I mean I know it's different for everybody but just wondering if you have any thoughts about that well I do think this is a, a major turning point of an era and with these new kyber belts and the emergence of the goddess and the quantum awareness in the field of of ether mm -hmm. uh, we are absolutely being invited and th that Venus retrograde we had uh, this past July, August was very profound because it was a Venus was accompanied by the black moon mm. in Leo the whole way. Mm. So it went deeper than Venus even usually does into the heart down to the womb chakra because I've become a uh, uh, sensate really about Lilith being that being connected to being that holy womb chakra mm. that the heart and the womb chakra work together and they both have you know the this healing energy and they were they were brought together you know in that venus retrograde she went to connect 
with the holy womb chakra and with that deep, dark Lilith revitalization, that reemergence energy of mm-hmm. of the, the goddess, the 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 Kali Pluto goddess or Durga. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another one of the very powerful. They're they're all like the same goddess at at, at heart. <laughs> yeah. So Pluto now going into a, a going into Aquarius mm-hmm. is so la, when Pluto went into Scorpio and it was squaring my Venus, mm-hmm. I have Venus in Aquarius. Okay. So now I'm going. Pluto is going to be going across my Venus, circling my Venus. And it's like, okay, well, I sure don't want to live it the way I left lived it last time. This has got to be way more beautiful. And you know, thank goodness I'm older and know myself better. And that this is um gonna be a whole new experience. And I'm I'm feeling like I can help create this experience. That's what it's about. So I- Pluto into Aquarius in late March into June, and it's back in Capricorn until January 20th and then it makes one more touch back into Capricorn so we clean things up a little better we can't (laughs) use those old methods we got to keep going into the new and uh, that would be in September October and then in November of 2024 we're fully into a 20-year phase with Pluto and Aquarius which is just going to be like how are we creating the mm. social context we want to be living in globally. Yeah. Yeah. Love and peace and all of those beautiful, you know, divine. And we've got to feel we can't be disconnected from our feelings. You know, Aquarius is an air sign of intellect and higher mind, but it it, it doesn't always engage the heart as yeah. deeply as Scorpio does you know, kind of thing. So we, we need to watch out for all this artificial weirdness mm-hmm. and, you know, be embodied and really in our hearts, really, really centered in our hearts. Well, I feel like, you know, a lot of the astrological uh, transits that have been happening leading up to this transition have really helped us to like, I mean, talk about that Scorpio Taurus nodal axis we were going through. Oh, yeah. It's like, Okay, you want to learn about feeling your feelings before we get, we have Pluto go into Aquarius? Here you go. You know, it's like hopefully these uh these have been invitations and initiations to help ready us for what we're going into, you know. But it's and new Kuiper belt objects. And one of them, Haumea, the Hawaiian goddess of childbirth, she's all about the holy womb chakra. She just went into Scorpio. Ah, it's amazing. So how does that, you feel like that's a very, like extremely regenerative energy? Yes, absolutely. You know, to me, Scorpio is like the subatomic field. Mm. And when certain, you know, fields align, we get solid matter and that's Taurus, the opposite sign. Mm. So if we don't like what's happening, you know, we need to go down to the subatomic level and rearrange the atoms, rearrange the molecules, the electrons. We need to like, you know, do this kind of alchemy. Yeah. 
And then we have a different outcome. And that's what, you know, is on offer right now with Venus and Scorpio. She's going over at Jupiter and Taurus and, and saying, okay, if I do this, if I let go, if I reconfigure, if I feel it through and let go, mm-hmm. but it says, yep, you're going to have another outcome and it's going to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Collectively even, you know. Yeah, it feels like we've got a little bit of luck on our side there. <laughs> the teacher. <laughs> but it, and it's interesting too when I think of Aquarius. I was um looking into the symbol one time and I learned that that little wave symbol actually is a an Egyptian hieroglyph that means mu or water, which mu takes us back to Lemuria. Yes, so, absolutely. I think it's really interesting. I always think of the water bearer as like the memories being returned um, through the frequency, through information, through this field. It's like I see Lilith, you know, like swimming around us and helping us remember. And um, and obviously there's all of the like you said, the weird kind of AI tech stuff that's coming into the world as well. But um. I feel like it's just so interesting to think about that axis of the the Scorpio Taurus and then the Aquarius and Leo and um and that they're fixed. You know, how do you feel about Pluto going into a fixed sign? Well, you have it in Scorpio a fixed sign. Yeah. And they're going deeper and deeper and deeper. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I was kind of thinking like with, you know, with it like Maybe this is my Taurus side, my Taurus moon, but I kind of feel like with the fixed signs, I'm like, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. <laughs> like I can feel a little bit uh, of resistance. <laughs> until you're really ready. Scorpio yeah. wants to go through every drop and yeah. not have yeah. anything come back to haunt you. It's like, got to do it to the last drop and then I can let go. You know, yeah. then it'll change spontaneously. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the energy is not there. So you, you know, you are the, you are the the people who go and stand around uh, a polluted pond and send love to the water, and it transforms like the 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 message of water by Masuto Amoto, right? And yeah. also the modern work of Beta Austin, who is also communicating directly with water molecules. Yeah. Yeah. Water is huge. I feel like for, for what we're going into and just this, again, it it comes back to the memory and remembering as water holds memory and we remember, well, we're mostly made of water and how do the frequencies in our technology affect us Mm -hmm. and how can we Mm -hmm. use those Mm -hmm. in healing ways too? Like I have a little micro current device that, um, I can use for healing. So there's a lot of different ways that, uh, it's sort of like the electricity and the, uh, electrical currents can be used for our health or detriment. Right. Well, we need the the positive frequencies and we need to raise the frequencies, which is what is happening (laughs) or they were getting our frequency raised. So, you know, we have to like, you know, work through all that and, yeah, so this this Aquarian, you know, so interesting. The water bearer. A lot of people think Aquarius is a water sign, but it's no, it's an air sign. It's like the clouds that carry the water and oh. then drop it, eat it, you know, kind of thing. So this this again, this engagement with the elements 
as a, as a conscious interaction, you know, we're, we're learning a lot about that with water, but it can happen with the other elements too. Oh, Fire is that. that gives me a new kind of perspective on the fixed cross there too. It's like yeah. maybe a return to those understanding those elements as well. Well, you know, the cardinal signs, Cancer, Capricorn, Libra, and Aries, start things out. They're on the front lines. They, they're creator energies. And then the fixed signs re- stay with it and go deeper with it and unfold more of the potential mm-hmm. and sustain it. Yeah. And then the mutable signs change it up. Yeah. Finish it and change it up yeah so they're more like interactive but the fixed signs can really stay with something they can go really deep in there you know all of them both you know scorpio would be the feelings and the passions and intensity and that creative recreativity we were talking about and aquarius is like has a more a broader perspective on the larger picture than any other sign it steps back to do that it just has to watch that it doesn't step back too far and disconnect right right and then leo you know the heart of leo it's like you know i'm that generation that is pluto and leo we're wrestling with our egos we're trying we're transforming the small s self to the capital s self without losing our sovereignty yeah. Or, you know, buying into the fact that we're being selfish. Who else is ourself? Yeah. And then expressing the, you know, be all you can be. What is one of the army mottos from my generation? And it feels like that. <laughs> and then the other one, um, Taurus. Taurus. Yeah, Taurus is like, I. if it's worth it, I'm going to see this all the way through and plant seeds of forests that will last for hundreds of years kind of thing yeah I love all of that and I can see Pluto and Aquarius as well like connecting our science and spirituality like how you said you're interested in quantum physics like I could see that maybe becoming more mainstream like an understanding of how we create reality or co-create it's better because a lot of our technology is going is being becoming quantum technology and all our systems are all going quantum so it's going to be a bit of a learning curve but but good 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 for us in so many ways as, as we're becoming more of a global and even maybe intergalactic you know society yeah for sure so interesting so was there anything else you wanted to share about the underworld journeys or where you think we are right now on this journey mm-hmm. as like a collective well, going into a whole a new theme with this. So, you know, Pluto and Capricorn is coming to a close. All the su- structures and systems we've been living all under are like just falling apart. Mm-hmm. And, and and also there's a whole questioning about power hierarchies and the, you know, the the elites versus the, you know, people on the other end. And, you know, all of that is becoming out of date. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as we are so interconnected with information and that kind of technology. I mean, we want it to be healthy frequency, but we are so interconnected now. And I think, you know, we've got the internet, but what about the internet? (laughs) I love it. 
And and aren't we vibing with certain people, like groups of people and communities and circles and, you know, all of that is like, it's just naturally weaving together in this, you know, larger fabric that we're all part of and inter so interconnected. Yeah, I'm seeing the flower of life again. Like when you say that, I'm seeing the different circles of people as a different circles of the flower of life. And I can see how as each circle of people help each other resonate in their truest form, that makes like that whole flower so much stronger. And I also feel like I can see with Veda Austin's work, you know, how she'll take, um, say like free range eggs and, uh, like factory farmed eggs and compare them and the factory farmed eggs will give you this sort of like staticky um pattern when she freezes the the liquid and then when you look at the the free range sorry I'm losing track of thought the free range they look very harmonious and they they make like these snowflake patterns but then she started to take those eggs and put them put the free range next to the conventional and the conventional started to change because I feel that the power of nature is so inherently healing and so regenerative that I just feel like there's no way you can really stop her regenerative processes. You, I mean, even you look at like places like, um, you know, where are the places with the, uh, the atomic bombs they set off like uh, Fukushima and how nature just comes back with a vengeance, you know, and just like recovers these cities that were completely destroyed. It feels like the more we're in resonance with what our true nature is and with nature herself. Exactly it, our true nature. And that's the polarity complement sign of Aquarius is Leo. Ah. So that's about self-sovereignty that's about being really clear with this is who i am this is what i'm contributing this is where i stand this is this is you know the core of myself i am self-centered in that most positive way yeah and then we make a then everybody is contributing you know the best to what they've got coming from the heart yeah oh i love that well, would you like to share, do you have anything to share about the Kuiper Belt objects that, um, are there any, are they in the sky in any places right now that feel like invitations for us? Well, I want to mention that Haumea again, because what you were just saying was so that. Okay. Yes. This, um, this ever regenerative energy mm-hmm. and Haumea, she's, she seems to be one of the favorites. You know, she um, she was the mother of Pele and the volcano goddess. <laughs> so she has that kind of energy. And yeah. there are two, some of these Kuiper Belt objects, small as they are, have moons. Mm-hmm. And Haumea is egg-shaped. Oh. Rotates ar- over the, the long end. Interesting. Yes. And then... Um, she has two other daughters. One of them is Hiiaka, who is the hula dance goddess. And she's so connected to the land. I think all of these creator gods and goddesses are, are really connected to the land they were recognized in, you know. 
the name that that named them. And so there's the hula dance goddess, and also Namaka is a powerful mermaid energy that is about like you know when the fiery lava comes down from the sea down to the sea here's namaka like throwing all the ocean water at it to cool it off and then it makes new lands you know kind of thing so there's a lot of powerful energy there but it's she's always creating and in scorpio it's from that passionate place the deepest desire can we let go of all of the desires except the deepest truest you know and create from there yeah. And and we're all we're looking for that, something to really get our energy into mm-hmm. and and to in a in a kind of unity consciousness that you know where it's gonna be just amazing. Yeah. I kind of saw as you're talking about these these creator gods, I noticed like I saw Jupiter and Taurus, and it's like what a better time to learn about them, right? Then when Jupiter is going through this earth sign and um, really helping us to understand the earth at a deeper level, like maybe understand these creative forces. Something else I just love about nature is if you really go out and you're just quiet and you really look at the patterns of the leaves and you look at how a fern spirals and you see how you know, the, 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 the veins on a leaf are, look like the tree that it came from, you know, you just notice all these little things. It's like, those are, you're being shown creation right there. Like there's the mystery, (laughs) not that we can necessarily. All the goddess, the goddess is called, you know, nature. (laughs) It's the nature. Yeah. 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 It's um, amazing. Yeah. So have have uh, any more questions on on your end or i lost track of time so i don't know how time is going here i've really been losing track of time period yeah yeah no worries i i think i'm good i mean we covered a lot pretty quickly honestly but if you have if there's anything else you'd like to talk about i'd love to hear about it <laughs> Because it's on my mind, you know, this, I'm calling it Pluto and the Underworld Mysteries, at least as a working title mm-hmm. and, about, you know, the goddess. And I've been, I'm one, I'm going to be sharing more, you know, about this to refresh the material for myself. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, and, and I, I give specialty readings. I, I am an active astrologer. And I I work, you know, in general with, you know, the flow of your chart. Oh, and here's something I want to say about, you know, that, um, you know, the speaking the language of the stars, which is an intuitive symbolic language. Mm-hmm. And that's what I called my my thesis. It had to have an academic title, right? So it's astro mythology and the psychological value of symbolic language. And that's how I got into the archetype of Pluto and my own journey with that. It was very healing for me to do this, this research and this work. And that's keeping the astrology alive. And when I look at somebody's chart, it's like the field that is evoked between us or with us, you know, where the, the planets come in and inform, you know, what's, what's going on. And 
sometimes some of these new carpet belts comes in. Sometimes people, uh, you know, want the Lilith reading. Mm -hmm. So I have some specialty readings and um, I have my website, which is called um, heliastar.com. And I've been using that name Helia Productions for a really long time because in I've been I was looking for sun goddesses for a really long time. And I finally, you know, did find some really good books on the sun goddess because Helios is the sun god, but Helia is the sun goddess. Mm. Yeah, I'm totally I'm I'm very mesmerized by the solar goddess. I wasn't really aware of that archetype until more recently. And it's it's so beautiful because it feels yeah. like I mean, just all facets, I guess, of the goddess are something that have sort of fallen to the wayside. But right, exactly. whatever reason, I was I was getting into more of the lunar and the darker aspects first. And then when I um, rediscovered a little bit of the solar goddess, I was like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's creative power. She has a, the creative power of birthing. Yeah. And, and so there were sun goddesses in the older cultures, you know, you went back as far as the Moria, but there's also like the, um, I think Neanderthal times, like when there wasn't a lot of history written, mm -hmm. but there are still say, uh, all traditional dances and ceremonies that go way back to mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. And I came across it when I found Patricia Monahan. She wrote a lot about the goddess. She wrote, I think, the goddess encyclopedia. I'm not even quite sure. She wrote a lot about the goddess. And one of her books was Oh Mother Son. Mm -hmm. Looking back at myths of the goddess from, that go back, the first Korean women shamans. You know, the uh, somewhere up in the 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 is it the Baltic that you know they had the sun goddesses crowned you know with candles and and beautiful, um, powerful <laughs> goddesses. So that book is a great resource and and oh mother son. Oh, good that to know. Thank you for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something I'm amazed by is how you said you started to get into this work in the 80s. And um, it's it's interesting how, you know, every one of us has our own journey into, you know, when we rediscover these things or start to remember, but I just want to really honor that I feel like you're such a pioneer in this work and in astrology and the returning of the goddess. And I'm just like still beginning this journey, you know? So it's amazing to hear that you've been studying it and learning about it since then. And um, I'm just really grateful that you're passing along this knowledge and wisdom. Well, that's, I think, a responsibility when one gets older and has more experience under one's belt and has made mistakes and failed and lived to tell the tale. <laughs> awesome. And it's a joy to kind of see, you know, younger women like you, like waking up so soon. And, you know, it's um, uh, to that, that power and, and living it, you know, this is, and and the new children coming in having such a different level of consciousness um and you know also their own kind of generational things like you know their pluto generation what do they have to overcome what do they have to like challenge 
you know, it with confronting fear and bringing it into love. That's, you know, so essential to me with Pluto. And that's why, you know, in, in essence, the Pluto and Persephone story is a love story. It's just a very different kind of one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really enjoyed it because I I'm not I wasn't super familiar with that one and it's it just really speaks to me so I really appreciate you sharing today and uh, if you want a really um a, a small book that's a really lovely intro to the story of Psyche and Eros the it's the book called She mm-hmm. by Robert Johnson okay I think he wrote three books We She and He okay. <laughs> talk use a myth to um, talk about the psycho-spiritual development in in a woman. And that would be the Psyche and Eros story. And I think it was Parsifal and the Holy Grail for the he. So anyway, good book. It's not long. It's kind of like doesn't go into Wade academic, you know, footnote stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. I really enjoyed this. Yes, me too. Thanks for inviting me. And especially on this topic, which this is definitely a catalyst moment. I appreciate you, you know, to help me get back into it and, you know, kind of refresh and kind of update (laughs) what is some kind of old language, you know? Yeah. And it feels like it's all changing so quickly too. Do you feel that? Oh, I do. I do. I mean, there's some astrological reasons for that, but because we have Pluto changing sign 2324. Neptune changes sign 2456. Mm-hmm. Uranus changes sign 2526. Mm-hmm. Right in a row, the outer planets that have so much to do with our collective consciousness. Yeah. It's going to be so different. You know, in a few years, it's like, wow, do you remember 2023? Yeah. <laughs> And even coming into this conversation, I kind of had the intention of coming at it like, oh, we're going to talk about the underworld and we're going to talk about it because like, I don't want people to be afraid of the underworld. And then as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm, that's just gone. It's I'm like, that's gone. Like we're talking about creation. So I find that really interesting too. That's been rebirth. That's two sides of the same coin. I'm going to tell you a little story about. um, I gave a workshop in October, Mm -hmm. and there were twelve of us, and there were some Pluto and Leo, Pluto and Leos, Mm -hmm. there were some Pluto and Virgos. I I think the whole. I think we missed out on the Pluto and Libra group because they must have been somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) There were three Pluto and Scorpios. So I was giving a little lighthearted thing you know, about Pluto and about how the Pluto and Leo people want to die looking good. <laughs> have a level of vanity. And, and we do. Yeah. And then the, the Pluto and Virgo people want to want to want to die when their bodies are in perfect shape. <laughs> They're fitness kind of people and health nuts, you know, because like you said, where Pluto is can be a little obsessive. Yeah. And then, you know, we didn't have anybody about the Pluto and Libra, but we had uh, a couple of uh, Pluto and Scorpios. And I'm turning to them and one woman just who'd been very quiet. She blurted out, we just want to die. <laughs> and it was so it was so wild and so stark. Right. 
And, 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 you know, she said, I bring up the subject of death whenever I can, because people need to like, think about it. You know, it's part of life. You can't escape it, you know, and people are afraid of death. Well, I have a really funny, quick story to tell you to follow that up. (laughs) You reminded me of the very first time I met my husband's brother. We were at a party. So, you know, I'm in party mode, but I meet his brother and I say, oh, I love your brother so much. He's such a great guy. And then I go right into, um, so how do you want to (laughs) die? I'm a little drunk. I got to, I got to preface it with that too. I'm like, so how do you want to die? And he looks at me weird and I go, I want to go down a giant slide into a T-Rex's mouth. I just was like, what? And so that's not wrong. We think about definitely it a lot. Coming from an inebriated place there. Oh, definitely, definitely. But, but it opens up, it gets raw, right? It's like, yeah. you know, you're not hiding. Oh, that that that's interesting. That yeah, the really- first thing that I ask him, I'm like, okay, there that's some Pluto and Scorpio right there. But I was still having some fun with it as well. We want to say, don't take it too seriously. Have fun while you're here. Right. That is, yeah, Pluto and Leo, we we like parties. Yeah. 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 Let's have fun. It can be very serious, but let's have fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, yeah. great talking with you. And I hope we'll do it again. Yeah, I'd love that. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Light Always Wins. You can find me on Instagram at light.alwayswins. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review and hit subscribe. And maybe share with some of your friends. Until next time, remember, light always wins.